Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things around investment management and the business of running an RIA firm. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. Uh, my name is Jeff Goodnow, the Director of Client Education, and my business partner, Manish Kata, is here. He's the President and Portfolio Manager of Potomac Fund Management. With this podcast, this is our very first episode, we're going to reach a number of topics, things like at conferences that we attend, whether they be business conferences, platform conferences, uh, other firms. We're a third-party manager, so uh, we have a different take on uh, the business, our industry, and we'll hit a lot of subjects through the life of this podcast. So one of the things that we're going to start with is the InvestNet conference. Manish and I both attended recently, and uh, and we thought it might be a good insight to see our perspective on attending that conference. Manish, your initial thought? Well, first and foremost, why are we doing a podcast? <laughs> That's a great question, because we like pain, agony, and extra work. That's it. Yeah, it's been sort of a pain, but uh, I think we talked to each other enough that uh, we figured we'd get our thoughts on on camera, on audio, and and go from there. So, yeah, definitely with the Investnet conference, that was in Austin in, in May. And for those of you who don't know, Investnet is a UMA platform that essentially aggregates uh, managers across the board. And so it was a massive conference, um, you know, what, 2,000 people attending, yeah. Um some advisors, some broker-dealer home office folks. Uh, so it was easy to get lost, uh, that's for sure. Just walking around the massive conference room, uh, it, it was uh, overwhelming, to say the least. What What are your two cents? Yeah, I, I actually, I was surprised there were a lot more vendors there than I expected. Uh, I really thought it was more oriented around having advisors there. And I was, I, I mean, frankly, I was just a little bit disappointed. It was probably a 50-50 mix. I mean, so not, not that there weren't a lot of advisors, but I think that's something that, uh, I mean, I would recommend if you use the InvestNet platform or, or some other platform that you do attend a conference that they have at least once. I think it is good insight just to get, again, that, that vendor interaction. Uh, whether you use those managers or not, it, I think it's good to open your eyes and always keep the door open to uh, other thoughts, right? Uh, the phrase, you get mad at me for using all the time, is you don't know what you don't know, but ultimately that's what you end up with. And so I think it's a good eye opener, and uh, hearing. Well, Colin I did have Powell, a bet with myself how long it would take before you would say that. So I think yeah, what I, can I, I what can I say? Uh, well, listen. You, so your background as uh, you know, working at head of advisory at your former role, you know, in terms of a UMA platform and managers kind of set up like that. What's your, what's your hot take on on sort of that concept? Yeah, I mean, uh, so here's here's what I have learned. Number one. Platform users in general are a completely different audience than those that go direct to a manager. Uh, typically, anyway, that's that's the case. And the number one reason that I see as I talk to them uh, <clears throat> in my in my experience is they've done it because it's simple in their mind, right? And what I mean by that is just that they are tired of having money in five different places, right? So they can go to one shop, the uh, Investnet, Adhesion Wealth, whatever the the platform is. They can go to one place, get access to 50, 100, 500, 1,000 managers. And, and sort of the mindset is, you know, now the paperwork is the same every time. The uh, uh, client experience as far as the statements or reports is the same every time, no matter what manager combination. 
and and that just simplifies their life so that you know there are other struggles but but that's the mindset or the reason that most are there so well i mean you know from our perspective i mean we've been recently launched on a couple of platforms and you know the relationship side of it just isn't there right we had some money come in and and right. frankly we don't even know who it is and and that's something that both of us have to sort of get our hands around and try to figure out right because in the past it's always been you know, you know your client, you know your advisor, you walk them through the process, how we manage money, things like that. In this sort of new world, it we're almost like a mutual fund in the sense where the money comes in. It's actually worse than a mutual fund because at least the mutual fund knows who's investing. We have no idea. It's just a, a number on a screen. And so it's really hard to set expectations because, you know, if, if, if anything happens in terms of you know, the market or, or how we manage money, there, there is no expectations being set in terms of patience and, you know, different market cycles. You're, you're just, you're managing a number and, and the advisor's just judging you on, on performance. And, and maybe that's, that's how it's going to be going forward. That, that's sort of the downside there is there, there's just really, there's no interaction whatsoever. And, and, and honestly, that, that's how the conference were sort of set up. Right. It wasn't where you could sit in a room and, and talk to people and create a relationship. It was sort of herding cattle into different rooms and every meal was with some new person that you've never met before. And, and so it, it's it, it is what it is. It has its pros and cons for sure. Um, and, you know, it, it was it was definitely worth going to for at least for us. Right. We some good exposure and talk to some advisors and learn about it because it's it's so huge and just the different iterations of where you're available and things like that. It was, it was, uh, it was a lot to take in. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it, it's, it was a little bit overwhelming just begin because of the size. I mean, that's, uh, it's just, frankly, it's a lot of people to be moving around. Uh, but you hit on the number one spot, right? I said so the number one positive or the reason that people go is the simplification, but, but I think it's important to also understand and, and, you know, it, look, everybody does things differently, but when you eliminate a lot of the manager interaction, or the ability to, to get information from that manager and you limit your selections to, you know, choosing a couple of filters, clicking a button and saying, who's at the top, what you end up with is what we've been told by the regulators to never do right. Past performance is no guarantee of future success. And so that's, that's one of the drawbacks. If you're only selecting managers from that performance ticket, then you haven't necessarily done what I spent over a decade doing, which is really doing due diligence on, managers i mean i've done that with four or five hundred managers in my former role so well, there, i mean they i think they're assuming that the the broker dealer or, or investment's doing the due diligence and and in, in some yeah. cases they are but that's not the same as picking up the phone and talking to them but uh but listen yeah. we, we talked about this the other day with microsoft right we we use microsoft teams we use outlook mm -hmm. and would it be awesome to also use sharepoint and have her server in the same place of course you you know how cool it would be to be able to toggle back and forth but then at the same time, everything is with Microsoft and anything happens customer service wise. I don't know if anyone has ever tried to call them, um, uh -uh. but it's, 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 it's not fun. And so you run the risk when you have everything in one place, of course, you know, it, it's, it might be convenient and it might be easy until something goes wrong or until you need something. Uh, and then you're calling sort of the, the mothership to get anything accomplished. So that that's you know ultimately the decision that each person has to make right and and that's i mean that's the end result right ultimately there is no silver bullet right i mean you can go direct that's a higher cost it's a higher service level 
or you can go to a platform which is a slightly lower cost um, but the service level now is not with the managers don't have any say in it right i mean our experience I, I, right? i'm not convinced it's lower cost i just think someone else's hand is in the pot well, right well notice i said slightly lower yeah <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily a big savings in most cases but you know to each his own right everybody's got to make their own business decisions and 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 take that sort of action so you know, it's just a lower engagement uh, space. And that's something that we, that's part of a lot of my conversations were actually with other managers because I wanted to get an understanding now that we're doing this for the first time in 30 years that, okay, so w what is the experience? What are your, you know, what have you learned? What did you not know? Right. That's, that's, that's just manage money and shut up. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. That's what we do, right? We send the trade signals and our hands are, are clean and there's not a lot of service we can do, even if you call us because, Again, in some of these cases, some of the platforms, we do not even know who it is that's using us. So yeah. anyway, that, that's that's the, the scoop on, on InvestNet and that particular conference. So overall, I think it was definitely a plus. I'm excited that we're available on these platforms because, again, it's a different audience. So we can bring our, our extended experience of risk management to other other platforms, other other yeah, venues. and then we're, you know being on Adhesion and looking at SmartX and the and the whole boatload, they all have their different sort of pros right. and cons and and right. just trying to you know open up avenues here so yeah, yeah overall i think it was a good experience yeah i think to, to to sort of complete the circle the one thing that is key is because we don't have the direct interaction that is one of the things that led us to doing the podcast right so we have a blog we do some videos we do a lot of stuff on linkedin and and we're writing a monthly commentary for the active advisors that get that Right. And so the podcast was sort of that next iteration. What else can we do to provide content to people who are in, want to engage with us, but don't necessarily have that direct connection? And so here we go. Yeah, and podcast number one. A, yeah. And hopefully it's just not a turnoff to them, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Who knows? I, I mean, I could be prettier for sure. Time will tell. <laughs> All right. What's next on the list, Minis? Uh, well, I, what I was working on lately, I, uh, you know, in the news, there's tons of talk on the 200 day moving average that keeps coming up if you do watch financial yeah. news. And so I said, all right, let me actually go back and, and test this and, and see if there's any validity to it. So I went back and, and ran some sort of projections back tests based on what would happen end of day if you bought and sold anytime the S&P went above and below its 200 day moving average. Does this sort of methodology or trading strategy make sense? And interestingly enough, uh, over long periods of time that have bear markets, uh, you do definitely reduce the risk. The drawdown over a longer period of time is almost 50% less than the S&P. But in periods of time where there's no volatility, of course, uh, you really lag the performance on the upside of the S&P 500. And so some key takeaways, it, it's all in the eye of the beholder. If you want risk management, something like a 200-day moving average, which is nothing more than a 10-month trend indicator, uh, can make sense. Uh, can you, as an individual advisor or even client, execute that on a you know perfectly? Probably not, right? Because you have to sit there and make sure that you're available to execute that trade. Uh, there's no fees or taxes or anything like that included in it. Um, so it was just a, a basic calculation to say, you know, does a strategy like this make sense? I think it makes sense to reduce risk. I think it's almost impossible to execute. Uh, as an individual or even an advisor that doesn't have the infrastructure in place. Um, but, you know, it was interesting enough to see, you know, the, the results. And it, it definitely does reduce risk. And um, if that's your goal, I, I'm, I'm always for any tool uh, versus nothing 
and just sort of you know flying by the seat of your pants uh, because in that case a lot of times you execute risk management strategies after the fact um, you know in in 2009 you know after you, you have the washout uh, so I'm going to test some other things what if you waited five days after it crossed the 200-day moving average what if you put bands on it for example if you want one percent above or below or two percent above below can you somehow get rid of whipsaw trades produce better returns uh, I, I just want to test it for you know shits and giggles and see kind of what uh, what the results are. But I know from doing this that ultimately you're going to reduce risk and you'll probably trail a little bit on the upside. But but that's okay because you're you're doing it to reduce risk, which will frankly take away some return. Right. Well, it, I think that's uh, that's really the moniker, right? It's it's a tool to reduce risk. And is it perfect? No. But. Uh, what we've seen in our industry over and over again, and I'm, I'm really excited uh, because in the, I would say in the last five years, it's become much more prominent. The behavioral side of the equation is become is coming to the forefront, right? And, and what that means is, look, you can have all the great returns in the world, but if you also have a massive amount of risk, it's not about the clients getting to their goal. It's about the client staying engaged to get to their goal. I mean, you know, that's that's right. That's it's, half it's the problem like work, is getting them listen, to fire it's like you. Working out. It's like working out, <laughs> right? The the best workout and diet, you know, probably shouldn't take advice from two chunky people, but the best <laughs> workout and diet is the one you can stick with. Right. And right. So right. You know, same with investment strategy, passive and risk management, tactical. It, it doesn't matter. It's if you can stick with it, it'll work long term. But if you're going to bail at the first sight of a drawdown or the first sight of underperformance, to your point behaviorally nothing will work well and that's that's part of the reason that it, it makes sense to do some of both right i mean if people talk about diversification for years and there's you know look there's all kinds of studies the brinson b bauer blah 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 right about diversification the problem is diversification at the time that it's that it's done uh, maybe makes sense but again it's all about keeping the people engaged so if you've got some uh, if you diversify strategies a little bit then, then maybe that makes sense. You have some strategic passive stuff. You have some tactical stuff. Uh, it's a better way to get people to stay engaged in the overall process because, look, neither one of the odds of both of them just firing on all cylinders at all times is not likely going to happen, right? Again, there's no silver bullet. But if it keeps them engaged to the point where they stay on the path, and again, you, you have the behavioral coming to the forefront and you have financial coaching and planning coming to the forefront, these are such bigger topics. I think than than just oh well what's my manager done for me lately uh, that I, it's a good thing overall for the industry and and, and right, therefore you're you're wrong just buy a passive fund and do nothing I mean that's, <laughs> that's the key to financial freedom and just cross your fingers and hope you don't do it before a massive decline uh, you know we've well, said this for years I, all investment strategies over time work as long as they fit your risk profile and you're willing to stick through it. Yeah. If you're not, don't do it. And I just highly doubt that people are, most people uh, are able to to stick through massive declines. And so we'll see. Right. Well, we saw this, right? We saw this during the last iteration, right? Everybody's risk was way up here and then shit hit the fan. And suddenly they're like, well, I didn't want to lose that much money. Um, and so, you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, people's that's... risk parameters change based on the environment they're in. And if you don't understand that, you're missing the boat. So you, you have to, as an advisor, realize that when markets are flying like they have been for the last 10 years, this historic bull run. Wait, wait, wait. Are you, saying, are you saying that you have to conquer risk? 
No, I would never. Well, maybe 10 minutes yeah. ago. I would never right, let's say. Move on. Let's move on. All let's right. move on. We're, we're beaten. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, recommendations. Uh, uh, I saw a Netflix documentary called Gringo, which is on John McAfee. And it was interesting to me because I was in Belize and I had about 500 nosium bites on my leg. And I'm driving or taking the boat taxi into town. And this guy sits next to me, introduces himself as John McAfee and proceeds to tell me, exactly who he is. Have you heard of the software, the antivirus? I'm that guy, um, which was strange off the bat. Uh, he, uh, he was batshit crazy from the jump, uh, proceeded to tell me and spray some stuff on my leg that was some holistic, <laughs> homemade, whatever the hell medicine. Um, get off the boat. There's a local bar in there, invites us in for a drink. I don't know why I accepted. I did. And the craziness just continued. I had no idea you know, what was to follow. Obviously, no one did. Um, so the documentary was actually uh, entertaining for that because I, I kind of had a background on him. Um, and it's worth watching. I mean, the guy, I, you can say he's brilliant, but the documentary really paints the picture of him just being a nutcase and a, and a charlatan. But either way, I, I think it's worth worth the watch for, for a Sunday night. What do you got? Yeah, I'll, I'll have to uh, take you up on that because I've seen a couple of, of smaller interviews and so forth. And, and you're right, he's, he's flipping nuts. Um, so, you know, it's like watching a train wreck. You just can't not. So I'll, I'll have to go check out Gringo. Uh, the thing that I, I caught the other night, Kim and I watched, uh, Handmaid's Tale, the first episode. I know that's been out for a while. It's one of a bunch of awards, but, uh, we thought we'd, uh, try something a little bit different. And, you know, I gotta say it, it it's, it's very slow intro. You gotta be willing to put up through an hour of, you know, Listen, of these slowness. recommendations are but, serious. Are you, do, should I start I'm, it or I'm, not? I'm, I'm I'm gonna say start it. I'm ready for number uh -oh. two as fast as I can. But uh, it's intriguing because in a nutshell, you get this alter society right after things have kind of gone to hell in a handbasket, and it's a real reversion. And and in this reversion, it starts by letting you into the inside of the inner thoughts of the handmaid, right? The primary okay. character, and that's pretty cool because on one hand, everything is very closed, very conservative, all these rules, and you hear her right out of the gate, you know, saying, "I'm I'm." going batshit crazy or, or whatever the case, right? I mean, it's, it's language like you would expect to see when you're, you're stuck. You're, you can't get out of this mess and you're trying, your brain's going 100 miles an hour. Um, so it's really weird, the contradiction. And I, I found it very intriguing. So I'm going to get, I'm going to shoot for number two. I'm going to, I'm going to give it, uh, give it another, another whirl and watch the next episode. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's completely different than anything I've seen before. So fair enough. What I'm else? Go anything else going on? Uh, well, one of the things, uh, you know, ultimately, so we are in Hutchinson, Kansas right now, right? My wife and I full-time RV. And so one of the things that uh, I think is good as a takeaway, we've had to try as we started this full-time process, internet, right? Internet's a toughie. And so one of the things people talk about cutting a cord, and I heard this on a podcast the other day, well, you can't really cut the cord when you live in a home because you've, you've got to have internet, right? You still have to get your your Zulu, your Prime, your, all your, yeah. all your yeah. stuff. Well, the reality is uh, one of the tools that we have, we've tried the Verizon MiFi, which was a plan that was unlimited data, truly unlimited data. Uh, you get deprioritized though. But what we found that we also like, we also wanted to have some sort of an ATT backbone. And AT&T wasn't offering a great deal, but a company called OTR Mobile, otrmobile.com, basically on mm -hmm. the road, right? Yeah. Uh, they offered a deal where it was no deprioritization, no deprioritization. I can't even say that today. Um, and, uh, and unlimited. And I got to say it works phenomenal. It's really, really good. So obviously we, we have to have the right enough signal to get the cellular, but if we do, yeah. and I've got a booster out back. 
Um, if we and do, so it's better it's than great. just hot spotting. It's just gr- hot spotting it's, your phone. Don't hot spot your phone, man. You run through data so fast. You watch Handmaid's Tale. You're going to go through about fifteen percent of your, fifteen yeah, percent yeah. of okay. your data. So, so you have th- an that's, unlimited. That's what I wish, right? Our, we're in an industry where everything is regulated, and you have to be careful what you say. But think about this: the cellular industries all get to say they have all these unlimited plans, and then you read the fine print all the disclosure and you say, well, unlimited goes to 15 gigabytes on a phone or 20 gigabytes on an iPad, those sorts of things. Uh, are you That's... saying that cellular companies are full of shit? <laughs> uh, yes, like, sir. They are full of shit. I don't so think the fact want to come up with that, the, the fact that it's unlimited and then this OTR mobile device is actually unlimited. I mean, I I'm streaming all kinds of stuff and running work through it all day long. That's what we're using right now, streaming that. So, um, you know, it's it's a pretty cool gig, and I, I just think as a takeaway, right, if you're thinking about cutting the cord, this is a way to cut the cord because you can have all of the access to everything that you normally have, I mean, with within reason, anywhere you want. So if you go on vacation, hit the road, go on a business trip, fine. Yeah, but AT&T, AT&T has to be a, a, good, a strong provider in your area or this doesn't they, work. They either. do. Yeah. They do. And that's that's part of the reason as a – so this is a separate niche, right, full-time RVing. Um, that's why we have a full-time Verizon hotspot, uh, that MiFi is what they call it. And yeah, the yeah. Nighthawk from AT&T, because we wanted two different cellular signals. That way we have better odds of having one or the other and we can, we and, can and both. And 5G will solve all this as well. Whenever the, well, whenever the hell yeah. that comes out. And then, but then both of these, t- both of these tools then go out the window cause they're 4G. Okay. But all right. What else? What I think that is that it for this week, then. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that'll that'll do it for this week. Uh, ultimately, we want to. Uh, we appreciate if you like, subscribe, uh, dance to your own beat, share with your friends. Uh, you know, sh- shoot us a note. Uh, go out to PotomacFun.com, and uh, you'll see the the list of this podcast as well as the others that we do along the way. Let us know what topics that you want to see, what you want to hear, what can we can what we can touch on our approach, uh, what it's like to run an RIA, et cetera. Uh, so. You're forcing my hand to turn on the comment feature on the blog. Oh, well, you know, it's a dirty job. All right, uh, well, you can like and comment on YouTube. We'll, we'll, we'll put it up there and then <laughs> there you like go. and comment there. Um, there you go. I got to keep it off on that. So, all right, all fair right. enough. Then we'll, we're, we're going to try to do this weekly. Um, we'll see. You know, hopefully uh, we're, we're in, you know, the same state, country, Wi-Fi, something, so we can do this. Otherwise, we'll, we'll do what we can. But uh, until then, um, thanks for listening. Adios.